Well, Ben, when I think about the uh, MVP of this particular ball game, I guess you could probably go a few different ways, I'm sure, but I personally find it hard to go away from Brandon Belt for a number of reasons. One, obviously, being a monster two-run bomb. He hit in the seventh, but probably another also simply being <laughs> the composure he showed after getting rung up essentially twice in a row with two different pitchers on the mound on pitches that are way, way outside the zone. I, I, I do kind of wonder if he was tempted to say anything to the home plate umpire after he rounded the bases on the home run. But you know what? Either way, he, uh, he showed good discipline after some truly horrific calls. He added the go-ahead home run. Jays win 6-4. They've won four in a row. They've won seven of nine since wrapping up that series against the Rays a few weeks ago. And uh, things are going well right now. Yeah, things are going about as well as you could ask for coming off of that really brutal stretch that, you know, people got really nervous about. And yeah, I'd have to agree. I kind of see it like a hockey game that goes to overtime. Even if there was a guy with a goal and two assists before, right when Brandon Belt scores the overtime goal, he has to be the first star of the game because (laughs) they won because of Brandon Belt's hit as much as the bullpen came in to close it out. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge contribution from belt. It had been a while since, since the Philadelphia series, which is, you know, mid may at this point where Brandon belt had hit a home run may 10th. I actually think the day was so even earlier than mid may for some, right. But you know, it comes up with a hit at the right time. And he, he's been pretty clutch for the blue Jays all around. I mean, even in yesterday's game too, he had two very important doubles. It's, it's been uh, great to see what he's done since that first month. And he directly causes the win today. He has been having a uh, a pretty good month. That is definitely for sure. As he adds the go ahead game winner, a two run blast. And I think it was off Dominic Leone. And when the, when the cameras captured, cause they show you all the various angles. Whenever the pitchers are, are out there, they showed his face and he just looked like, I don't think he thought it was gone. And then he turned around and he just looked like home alone, Kevin McAllister hands on the sides of the face. You know, he just looked, he looked shocked. It was kind of funny, honestly. Yeah. I mean, belt hit it to the deepest part of the ballpark. Now he, he got a good piece of it. That was not a cheapie whatsoever. He hit that ball 106 miles per hour, but he hit it 427 Ooh. feet. Somehow that's a homer in 29 and 30 ballparks, chase field. Jeez. Really? But, yeah. But <laughs> wow. That's, you know, that's, that's a place on the park where few people hit home runs to dead center. He was threatening the apple, which they have a screen in front of it. So you can't hit it, but that's, that's a monster home run for Brandon belt. And I don't know this for a fact, but I'd imagine one of the longer home runs he's hit in a couple of years. Yeah. It was an absolute towering shot. And it did give the blue Jays eventually a six, four win to sweep away the New York Mets. That's Ben Shulman. I'm show Ali. Welcome to Jay's talk on the Sportsnet radio network streaming live on sportsnet.ca as well. Taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open 416-870-0590-1-888-666-0590 star 590 on your cell. You can always shoot us a text as well. 590-590. That is the people's text line. And as I always say, it is always open uh let's talk some Yusei Kikuchi because he has been I think in the last maybe what three starts he has perhaps struggled a little bit with walks and maybe the command that he had shown off very early in the season from the beginning of the season essentially until the last three or four starts he had been very 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 good and it's it slipped a teensy bit but overall today, five innings from Kikuchi, four hits, two runs, both of which were earned. There were two solo home runs, both of which were hit by Tommy Pham. Eight strikeouts, just one walk on 89 pitches. 
from Kikuchi. Like he did allow some hard contact. He did. That's that's absolutely true. Even the Mark Vientos flyout would have been a homer, and I'm seeing forty of pardon me, fourteen of thirty ballparks. Forty of thirty would be quite impressive. Yeah, that would be uh, phenomenal. <laughs> including the Ryder Center. So he hasn't solved all of the issues, but it is good the walks did stay down, just the one walk today, because otherwise we might have seen a different result. But we were talking about this on the local pregame before before today's game. But you take that five innings and two earned runs outing from Kikuchi, I don't know, 10 out of 10 times, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's That's what they've gotten out of him twice in a row, and they've won both of the games. I think if you can get Kikuchi to bridge you to the sixth inning where you can go to leverage relievers if needed, you're putting yourself in a pretty strong position to win games. And I thought he even looked a lot better today than he did in that Milwaukee start where he also pitched five innings with two earned runs. He had the five walks in that start and he was behind a lot. He really had to work a lot harder. I thought for outs in that game. Whereas in this one, yes, there was the hard contact. Tommy Pham has his number. You know, I think he's happy that they probably don't play Tommy Pham again this year, but I mentioned it when we hopped on a little bit in the seventh inning or in a, in a pitching change there, there was, you know, a, a great number at that point for Kikuchi, 16 first pitch strikes in 20 batters faced. Ooh. And I said it before the game in a different context, but the batting average, when you're down Oh one, instead of up one Oh, it's so drastically different in major league baseball that that can just be the key sometimes between getting guys out and getting knocked out in the second or third inning. So for Kikuchi, you know, he keeps it in the zone He still has to definitely curtail the homer numbers. That's Mm -hmm. 17 homers allowed now for Kikuchi. I believe in his 13th start of the season, 12th or 13th, which is not good. It's frankly not great. But if you don't walk guys, those homers are solo shots a lot of the time. And both of them against him were. Yeah. You say, I think has some things to work out, but for someone who is effectively your fifth starter. And I know based on performance, he he would be a fourth starter because yeah. of what's going on with Manoa, but just in terms of how the rotation is in theory set up, if your if your fifth starter is getting you five innings, I don't know how many times you're going to get a quality start from Kikuchi because it requires getting six innings. Right. But if you're getting five innings from Kikuchi and I say three earned runs or less, but uh, today he only had the two. If that's what you're getting from your effective fifth starter, there are few, I think, rotations in baseball that you'd, you would not take that from, from your fifth starter basically every every fifth day. Yeah, I think the New York Mets, who have about as high paid of a rotation as anyone <laughs> in baseball, would take that from the back end guys too. He, he put them in a position to win today. He didn't keep them on the field very long. So when the Blue Jays scored two in the first, he had a quick bottom of the second, and they hopped right out for the third, putting a lot more pressure on Kodai Senga, who was not good today for the Mets. And I, I think that... He is really starting to settle in, which is nice. He had a a really strong April and then, frankly, a really tough start to May. But it is two of these starts in a row now where he's keeping the Blue Jays in games. And I think that's the realistic expectation that Kikuchi should have. Part of the reason I would still even consider him the five is just the ceiling for Manoa, I think, is so much higher still than it is right now for Kikuchi. But as long as he's keeping you in games, I mean, easily could have came out with the win today. If not for the fact that the Mets tie the game against Nate Pearson, you know, I think you have to be you're pretty happy with that production. You say Kikuchi after this game with an even 4.40 ERA. When he came off the mound in the fifth inning, he gave just oh, the, yeah. the most emphatic of fist pumps. Spin pump. Yeah. Like a 180. <laughs> it was awesome. It was great. He was, he was fired up when he yeah. came out of this game. And I think, for someone, we saw this a lot last year, especially when he got hammered because he was giving up lots of walks and lots of hard contact. So even if it wasn't a lot of home runs and 
there were a lot of home runs last year from Kikuchi, but even when that wasn't the case, he just sometimes he looked so often he looked kind of dejected coming off the mound. And even without the pitch clock, he seemed like he was getting really like it was really getting to him sometimes. And I just I feel like overall, even in the starts where you he, I'm sure he wishes he get some of those results back this year. And there haven't been that many of them. He just seems like a more confident guy on the mound. Things just seem to be simpler for him. And again, I've said this before. Maybe maybe it is a part of the pitch clock. Maybe he's taking less time to think about things. He is more confident in using the fastball more than he certainly was last year when we're all screaming at him, use the fastball, because like we were talking about this in game, there are not that many pitchers, starting pitchers in all of Major League Baseball who can do what he does as a left-handed pitcher who can do what he does. Uh, as a starter and, and throw it that hard, throw the heat, right? Like, like very few, but you were saying he's just Lizardo. Yeah. Lizardo. There's one or two more guys that are in and around his range. Yeah. And that's it. Sale, Rodon, you know, like there's just and not neither of those guys are healthy. <laughs> yeah. They're, not, they're just not that many of them. So to see him confident in his best pitches and just confident in himself, I think is, it goes a long way. And uh, he was a, a huge part of the win today. Five innings, four hits, two runs, both of them earned, the home runs to fam, uh, two, uh, eight strikeouts, pardon me, one walk and 89 pitches. Uh, let's go to the phones, Ben. 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cell. Hayden joining us from Calgary. Hayden, what's up? Welcome to J-Stock. Hi. What's on your mind? Um, I was just like to point out the aggressive base running from uh, Matt Chapman on Varsho's walk there. Yeah, it was a. It, thanks for the call, Hayden. It was it was absolutely one of the highlights of the game for probably for a number of reasons, Ben. Mainly because I it was I think it was quite an aggressive. So Hayden says aggressive base running. I would also say an aggressive send from Luis Rivera. Very aggressive. And and, and Luis Rivera is known for some aggressive sends, yeah. not all of which uh, always work out. I will say as my, and I'm glad to see Chapman motoring. Also was not particularly great by Tommy Pham on that play because he, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was Pham. He kind of like lollygagged yeah. his way to the ball. And then I think he saw Rivera's arms waving and Chapman not stopping. And then he, he'd start to chug towards the baseball to pick it up. So not great stuff from the Blue Jays, but also eh, not so great for Tommy Pham. Yeah, it, it is, you know, one of those reminders, I think, when the Blue Jays at times, you know, a week or two ago, we're getting thrown out a lot, a lot of the time being aggressive that, it really either looks great or terrible. Conservative teams, it looks pretty even all the time. You know, Matt Chapman was pretty far off second base there. I don't think it was the smartest play for a young catcher and Francisco Alvarez to try and end an inning like that. But to throw down to second base already means that Chapman's really far off the back. So with the Blue Jays having already been picked off in that game, it, it could have gone the other way. But I think, you know, it's great that Chapman is running kind of with a reckless abandon and listening to Rivera. And you'd imagine Luis Rivera, who can set up with his eyes towards center field and also having Chapman within his eye line likely sees that Tommy Pham is thinking this is more of a station to station thing. So you you do, you create outs and runs a lot of the time by being aggressive. And I think that, you know, as the blue Jays continue to play better, it's just the way baseball seems to be more of these things turn in your direction when you're playing poorly. It feels like every time you try to be aggressive, it doesn't, but Hey, for the blue Jays, that was, that was a big run. I mean, if they don't score that run, if you rewrite the game the exact same way, which obviously you couldn't, it could have been four, three at yeah. one point for the Mets in the game. But instead, you know, that, that fourth run helps the blue Jays build up their lead. And then eventually they regain the lead to win the game. 
You think Francisco Alvarez in three years makes that throw? Probably not. There's a, there's a chance that he doesn't make that throw ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He is a, a really talented, really young catcher. And you just wonder with the inning going the way it was for Senga already, it was, it was three runs given up already by the top of the third inning. The likelihood you pick off a guy from the plate at second base yeah. is low. Yeah. And Matt Chapman isn't slow. He almost hit Matt Chapman with the ball. Yeah, he, throw. It, it looked like it may have touched him a bit. And yeah, it was just one of those. It, it looked like a bit of a hero play that you often see by a guy who, first of all, probably could pull that off in the minors where, where everything is, you know, he's dominating at even a higher level. And, you know, he's a young guy trying to make a big play to help his team out. Probably in the future, he's a little more, let's just put it back in the, in the pitcher's hands. It would have been first and second with Varsho on first after the walk and, and, it would have been a little bit more manageable for the Mets. Maybe if it had been three, nothing instead of four, nothing. Yeah. I think it's a lesson, a valuable lesson perhaps for both <laughs> Tommy Pham and Francisco Alvarez. I will say, I think, I mean, all major league players should know better, I think, but fam probably should know better than Alvarez considering their age differences. But I mean, ultimately a blip in the season for the Mets, but um, it is one that Matt Chapman, Luis Rivera and the blue Jays take advantage of good to see Chapman uh, also get the benefit of the doubt on the call at the plate because when they showed the replay, I, I admit when they showed it in super slow motion, I wasn't a hundred percent sure if he was safe, but they called it safe at the plate. It was a relatively long review. And then he, he was, the call was confirmed or the call stands, which it I know stood, mean, yeah. it stood because I know it's, I know those mean different things, but uh, they, they clearly did not find enough to overturn that. So Chapman was safe. So he got the benefit of the doubt right at the, that bang, bang play as he crosses. So, Great to see the Blue Jays take advantage of it. I see a lot of texts about Brandon Belt on the text line. Andrew in London, good overall game. Very nice series sweep. Good game, especially by our MVB, most, most valuable belt. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Mike from Kingston also. Hashtag belt for MVP. Let's get that trending on Twitter. He's actually been really, really good after his slow start. Go Jays. Uh, so Mike actually gets to something here. I was going to bring up a little later on, but Sportsnet stats, which they do a phenomenal job. Steve Fallot and the gang, they do a great job of finding great stats to, to discuss. Uh, they sent this out right after he hit the home run. So I guess he had one more plate appearance after this, but um, so this is, I guess this might be slightly different statistically based on his very last AB, but uh, this is uh, from Sportsnet stats, Blue Jays, Brandon belt slash line this season, March to April. His slash line, it's, it's uh, not great, right? March to April, 169, 246, 288. Since May 1st, 333, 474, 520. That is yeah. phenomenal from it's Brandon Bell. It's, it's about <laughs> as good as anyone's you're going to find on the team. And I think over that stretch, and I think that includes Bo Bichette, frankly. It, it, is, it is quite the turnaround for him. Now, he still is striking out a little bit. I don't, I don't want to rain on his parade. He's having a really, really strong couple months. But, you know, if you had to nitpick, there are one or, or two times where you might want him to put the ball in play where he hasn't. He did strike out, probably not rightfully so, but he struck out four times around his one home run today. Right. But I think he is providing what they need in the cleanup spot. They were searching for it a little bit after Matt Chapman had cooled down after his hot month. It, and Dalton Varsho is starting to get it going, but still doesn't have it really at full throttle yet. And he, he has filled in and been able to produce runs for them. The two huge RBIs today. And, you know, I, I just think that they, they are getting even more than they really could have asked for from, you know, a guy in his mid thirties yeah. on a one year, $9 million deal. 
You know, let's hear from Brandon Belt. He spoke to, I, I think deservingly, he was the walk-off interview with Hazel on the field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he deserved it. So he spoke to Hazel. It was a short chat. Let's hear it. Here is uh, the MVB, Brandon Belt, chatting with Sportsnet's Hazel May. Brandon Belt here with me. We said on the broadcast, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Let me ask you about that low pitch that you hit out of here to straightaway center field, 427 feet. How did you get around to get that out of there? Uh, I don't know really, but uh, I, you know, I wanted to stay focused right there, let go of everything that had happened in the game, and uh, just try to do something for the team. I mean, that was uh, a tough situation, them coming back and tying the game, but we knew we had a good chance to win this ball game, and thankfully, I got the got the hit. You're doing a lot more than that. You lead Major League Baseball in on-base percentage, about 485, almost 500. You and I talked a couple of weeks ago. You said you were really pleased with your approach. Where are you at with that right now? I still feel great with my approach. Um, you know, and uh, unfortunately, you get a couple strikeouts here and there. Um, but in my mind, uh, you know, I had, ma I had made good uh, pitch selection. So uh, as long as I'm doing that, I feel good about what I'm, uh, what I'm doing at the plate. And, and today was no different. Listen, I can't let you go without uh, asking you about these MVP chants. <laughs> Dugout, inquiry minds want to know, Brandon, what was that all about? Well, nobody's going to call me the MVP unless I start it myself. So, <laughs> you know, I think if you just uh, tell people that you're the MVP, eventually they start to believe it. So I'm going to keep on doing it. Brandon Belt harping on the narrative quality of MVP. <laughs> uh, Hazel was right on it, but uh, Chris Black, Sportsnet producer at Down to Black, also tweeting out, Brandon Belt, 484 on base percentage over the last month. Best in Major League Baseball. Hard hard to argue with the results of that number. Yeah, it's 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 big for the Blue Jays who, you know, wanted to change a little bit of the emotional makeup of the team, it seemed like, and talked about that a lot in spring training. And I think Belt, in talking about him kind of moving on from both strikeouts, where in both cases he wasn't just borderline correct, but it felt like pretty objectively right that he should have earned two walks and was struck out twice. But, you know, I think that's the difference sometimes between a team that averaged an age of 27 last year and a team that averages an age of 29 this year. And that's a bigger change than it might even sound is that they have been in situations like this more often and can handle them maybe with a little bit more efficiency than some guys who are just newer to the major leagues. And uh, kind of further to that point, again, 590-590 is the text line, the people's text line. And you can uh, shoot us a text name and location, please. Also can give us a call, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Uh, Jay from Re Regina says, a huge high five to Belt for not arguing with the ump. You'll never win arguing, and glad he didn't. Very pleased with the professionalism and veteran-type ABs. You know, it's, it's funny because on the, the second one he got rung up on with the reliever on the mound, uh, he, he like turned, he, he, he chucks the bat cause he clearly thought it was a walk and he would have, it should have been a walk and, and it was um, way off the plate. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really off the plate. And he, so he turns his back to the plate, starts walking to first and then the umpire rings him up and he just throws his arms up in exasperation. And then a camera also captured him as he's walking back to the dugout. He kind of turns over his shoulder and, and clearly says something to the umpire he didn't let it go on. He goes back to the dugout and he's like probably fuming a little bit as most people would be. Uh, I, I do think there are some umpires 
who might have even tossed him for that. Like based on what we've seen. Yeah. I, I mean, he did get thrown out already this yeah. season for arguing balls and strikes. <laughs> and I, I do think a difference between, you know, a 35 year old and a 25 year old too, is the amount they're allowed to say to umpires. I, I think that's that true. Yeah. Brandon belt knows a lot of these umpires. It, it's not the days of the, you know, strictly AL strictly NL umpires anymore. Not to mention this was at a national league ballpark. And I think he, he knows a lot of the umpires and probably whose buttons he can push a little bit more and, and whose he can't. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like he ended up getting any calls back in his favor, but he was able to toe the line without getting himself thrown out. And for the blue Jays, thank goodness he didn't get thrown out because they needed him in that at bat later in the game. That is Ben Shulman. I'm show Ali. You're listening to Jay's talk here on the Sportsnet radio network. We're also streaming on sportsnet.ca as well. Let's take a break, Ben. When we come back, back to the phone lines, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Back to the text line as well, 590-590, name and location. That's the people's text line. More of your calls, more of your texts on the other side of the break. You're listening to Jay's talk, show and Ben on the Sportsnet radio network. Yeah, just really consistent at bats. I think even the ones that he's not getting on are really close pitches too. Um, veteran dude did a good job of kind of keeping himself in check and huge home run. But his at bats, you know, this weekend especially, but just really, you know, lately it's been really consistent. That is John Schneider, manager of the Blue Jays, discussing our MVB, Brandon Belt, most valuable belt. After a 6-4 win in which he provides a go-ahead home run, Ben Shulman. Yeah, and he's campaigning for his own MVP award. I, I like it. I like it. You know what? I think <laughs> think a lot of people, when they're younger, they're nervous about things like that. I think by the time you're, you know, you're in your mid-30s, you're very comfortable with yourself. And he's just like, hey, I'm the MVP, in case you didn't know. <laughs> he's playing like it, leading Major League Baseball and on-base percentage over the last month. Brandon Bell delivering the go-ahead shot, a 6-4 win for the Blue Jays after a two-run jack from Belt in the seventh. Blue Jays sweep away the Mets and get on the plane. A happy team as they come back to Toronto for a four-game set against the Astros and a three-game set against the Twins, all at Rogers Center. And it all starts tomorrow, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, let's get to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. Maybe you should have done that, actually, Ben. I, I, I can vouch for Ben Shulman in that moments before Belt hit that home run. He turns to me and he says, Belt hasn't hit a home run in a long time. Maybe he might go yard here. And then I swear seconds later he did. So I'll give you, I'll give you credit for that. No one else, no one but me can say, can vouch for that, but yeah. I will vouch for you here. I I wish that any of the microphones in this studio <laughs> were turned on and recording at that time. I, I can say we even went as far because it was, it wasn't the first pitch of the at bat as checking the last belt home run, just because we were curious. <laughs> and then it was like, Oh my goodness. And yeah, that was, I mean, that I that'll be my only opportunity to make a bet that lucrative and I didn't take it so that's that well I'm sure in the uh, standings watch as we we continue the wild card race and the divisional race you'll, you'll have plenty of opportunity I think uh, a lot of games done today still some to come as well some going on right now here's how the AL East shakes out based on some early results the Rays did beat the Red Sox six to two earlier today uh, the Yankees have yet to play they are Sunday night this is the Sunday night game against the Dodgers in Los Angeles, that's in a couple of hours. The Baltimore Orioles are currently pummeling the Giants 6 nothing. The game's in the bottom of the third inning, and uh, Toronto, of course, wins their game today. So with all that being said, here's how the standings watch shakes out. Tampa is 42-19. and 19. Baltimore is 36-22 and 22 entering play. 
Yankees 35 and 25. Toronto is 33 and 27. And Boston with the loss is 30 and 29. I think there is another Rays Red Sox game tomorrow. It was yes. supposed to be a day off, but because it was a postponement from earlier in the year, not from this series. Yeah, it was the a lot of shuffling around for yeah. them. But they do they do end up playing tomorrow to finish that series out. And for the Blue Jays, you know, it's a it's a little early to necessarily lock it on the wild card, but mm-hmm. the Houston Astros lost today as well. They are the second wild card, two and a half games up on the Blue Jays. So, you know, before they come to Toronto, definitely something to look at. But the standings are looking a lot better than they did recently. I mean, even, you know, for the division, it's only eight and a half games right now, which is a lot. But at the same time, there are still over 100 games to go. Yeah, they are two games back of the final wildcard spot with, like you said, over 100 games. So a lot of baseball left to be played. I'll add this one in just because I think it's fun. But uh, for the... Tigers White Sox game so they're third and fourth respectively in the AL Central so not that it's going to impact the playoff race too too much Huge but swing <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really just wanted to mention it because in the bottom of the ninth inning Jake Berger his 12th home run of the year it was a walk-off grand slam that is awesome like like you were saying before off air you know when when that kind of stuff happens you know you know it's going to be a like the moment a ball a fly ball with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning leaves his bat it's a walk-off sack fly at the very least yeah but. there was only one out so it was like guaranteed <laughs> to win the game yeah, walk-off grand slam but that's hey, awesome. you know that's the people really on the cool. south side haven't had a lot to cheer about recently so why not i guess the, the second little fun note for the standings is now the miami marlins with a win today are two games ahead of the top payroll team in major league baseball the new york Mets, who are 30 and 30 as up and down as the blue jays have been I can't imagine what it's like right now in Queens where the Mets are 500 with one of the easier schedules in major league baseball after 60 games, not to mention a negative run differential. It it has not necessarily been a uh, dream start in flushing. That is our quick check of the major league standings watch presented by bet three, six, five. Let's go back to the phone lines, Ben four, one, six, eight, seven, oh, zero, five, ninety. One triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell. I almost forgot the phone numbers, and I, which is crazy because I say it like I was a thinking about it last time you were out there. It's way too like <laughs> embedded in your head at this point for you to forget. For, it, but clearly, you know, we're all human. It happens. It happens. All right, Jim from Hamilton joining us on the phones. Jim, what's up? Welcome to JSOC. What's on your mind today, gentlemen? Good day. I'm not happy with the Jays. They're not doing good. The Mets aren't a good team, and they only squeaked by a winning at a time. There's, I'm not talking about the pitching because it's what we expect to begin with at a base minimum. It certainly can improve and it will improve. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the lineup. They're Belt, Varsho, and Kirk. And throw Biggio in there too over the past week have done well. It's Chapman. It's Flatty. And I wonder how much of that virus over the past month has affected this team. Took a big hit. Guys were playing and sick, and we don't even know about it. We only found out during the broadcast that Springer played 10 days while sick. There's much to be had here. All right, well, Jim, I appreciate the call. Thank you for thank you for joining us on, on Jay's Talk. I, uh, I, will, I will not go so far as to say I am displeased with the Jays because I think in all things, when you go through a massive losing streak or a massive streak where you don't play well, 
I think there is some moderation required, just like when you win a lot of games and you're winning them in multi- a multitude of different ways. Moderation is also probably required in, in both senses, but uh, I, I I will take his point that you probably can. There, look, there is still some perhaps meat on the bone left for some of the offensive players. And like you said, he highlighted Farsho and, and Kirk and uh, I think Biggio as well as guys who have in the last week played well. And yeah, I don't think we need to talk too much about the pitching because apart from Manoa, they've been pitching pretty well as well. But I, I will say, yeah, you can expect more. And I think Jim is probably right in that the illness did sap a lot of these guys. Like there was a report, I think from sports illustrated that after George Springer was ill, he lost like 15 pounds. Like yeah. that's going to affect anyone. Yeah. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a light sickness for any of these guys at all. It really does seem to be a big deal. And I, I do think Jim's point is worth taking in that, you know, they still, despite winning a lot of these games are not necessarily hitting the way that they were earlier in the season. And, while it's working for now, I you know I don't think you possibly could complain about the pitching at this point, considering you know four runs allowed today, and that's the mo- tied for the most they've allowed in the last like seven games. They have allowed four or fewer. That's really putting your team in a position to win. But yeah, they they do need to hit more if they're going to beat a team like the Houston Astros coming up. You can't rely upon you know two three run outputs to try and win a lot of those games. You're going to need to hit more. So I, I do appreciate, you know, Jim looking at the whole picture. I, I would say that I'm slightly to a, a bit more optimistic about them than he is, but I do think it's a valid point looking forward that, hey, they're going to have to get the offense kind of back in the spot it yeah. was in April and kind of early May if they're going to go on a big win streak. I mean, when you look at their, you know, largest win streak in late April. 5-1 win over the Yankees, 5-1 over or 5-2 over the White Sox, 7-0 over the White Sox, 8-0 over the White Sox. Those are run totals that more likely produce win streaks. The Blue Jays are going to have to do that a bit more consistently. I will say, though, for some of the guys he mentioned, like Chapman and Vladdy, the last two games, I, I don't know if those are the best examples. Vladdy coming up with a huge hit yesterday, two hits and a homer today. It definitely seems like there's something to build upon there. And Chapman today, you know, walked and scored in the second doubled and scored in the third, but overall offensive concerns, very valid. He did mention Vladimir Guerrero jr. Coming into this game, Vladdy had hit just one home run in his last 106 plate appearances. And that home run was the grand slam off of Luke Rayleigh. Yeah. And like, like John Schneider said, it still counts, but in, in the sense of you want to see him hitting off actual pitchers, we hadn't seen it in a while. And today to start the game, he had a walk and then an absolute bomb into the left field seats at city field. And this coming after they got an RBI double from him to effectively win the game in the ninth inning yesterday as well. So he did get picked off today, uh, which was, you know, not great. Another display of bad base running won't sugarcoat that obviously, but personally, I think his offensive performance, if you're, and again, it's such a small sample size in the sense of these two games. If you want to go back a little more, he had a couple multi-hit games in the last little while. Again, it's a relatively small sample size, much like I said about George Springer when he was struggling. I hesitate to say that he is quote unquote back until we see it a little more consistently, but I do hope that it does mean that Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s offense is starting to pick up because this team could definitely need it just top to bottom. Every team needs more offense, but you certainly hope you're one of your better players. If not, your best player is the guy to kind of come through with that. Yeah, when he produced today and when Chapman produces today, they get a a major output. They score as many runs as they had since the first game against Milwaukee, and they're going to need those two because they don't only hit for average, but they hit for a lot of power as well. So uh, it it is definitely a valid point that they, I don't think, can continue to win this way, but at the same time, I do think that most people are probably 
happy enough with the Blue Jays. And yes, they won some close games. I would disagree that the Mets aren't a good team. I think they are. I think they're just not playing necessarily their best baseball right now. But, you know, a lot of wins and losses in Major League Baseball are close. At the end of the day, they lost by two runs, three runs, and four runs to the Rays. They lost twice in extras to Baltimore. They lost by two runs, three runs, and three runs to New York. So you're not going to average beating teams by six runs. That's just not the reality of major professional sports. But you should be averaging five, six runs a game if you're the Blue Jays yourself. And right now, the Blue Jays are just not getting that production consistently. Today was one of those days where they happened to get it. Uh, let's go back to the text line, Ben. 595-90, name and location. That's the people's text line. And it is always open. Let's see. Chris from Etobicoke. Signing like, like belt. Show that you don't need to spend all kinds of money on whoever and expect results. See this year's Mets, for example. <laughs> I mean, fair. That's a fair, a fair, a fair comparison, given that we were talking about. Uh, Sean from Oakville. A few weeks ago, some fans had this team in the gutter. It's baseball. A few weeks later, probably a different story. This week, baseball is a game-to-game story. Go Jays. We are doing okay. Go Jays. Go. Mark from Ottawa. A similar sentiment. Remember when people said the Blue Jays were dead? Uh, yes, I, I do. I do remember that. I yeah. do remember this. Oh, we were there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um. The, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but Don from Windsor says, I just, I'm, I'm just curious if you've heard any word on Chris Bassett's wife, Jessica with their, with their second child. I, as far as I know, because Bassett is a pretty avid tweeter and uh, he did tweet after the game yesterday that he, or pardon me on Friday, that he made it to wherever he was going with plenty of time. So I feel like maybe was there an update update Chris Bassett tweet. 42 minutes ago oh, okay, there with you go. a baby. Sweet. With a baby. Baby Colson. Colson. Colson Bassett. So right. the the direct verbatim quote, perfect weekend complete, period. Mama and Colson are doing great. So congrats, Chris Bassett, second child. He must have loved that. Like he must have tweeted that out as soon as the game ended. Well, that's the thing. We <laughs> we started our show. 41 minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) and he tweeted that about 42 minutes ago so yeah i guess uh perfect timing there you go don congratulations to the bassets and uh baby colson that's really exciting uh let's see i wanted to get to with you ben we haven't talked about the bullpen and what the perhaps a ripple effect of the usage today might be for well, at least tomorrow, certainly for the next number of days, because the next day off is not until not tomorrow, but following Monday, which is May 12th. But there's a four game series against the Astros, five, six, seven and eight of June, nine, 10, 11 as the series against the Twins. All those games are at the Rogers Center. But after Kikuchi went five innings, you got an inning from essentially each from Pearson, Simber, Swanson and Romano. Uh, Nate Pearson, there was a tweet. I'm trying to find it here. There was a tweet from... Uh, one of the listeners who wanted to get to what Barker hit is Glenn from Coldbrook, Nova Scotia, uh, a needed series win. I agree with Barker referring to Nate Pearson when Kevin says he could not trust him in a late inning, high leverage situation. Big game is a June game. Pearson gave up two home runs. Pearson does have potential. I agree with Barker. I do think, again, I, I don't think we're, we're hitting the panic button on Nate Pearson by any means because no. uh, the guys he gives up home run to are of all people are like Pete Alonso and Starling Marte who are still very good players. Pete Alonso obviously leads the majors in home runs, yeah. but it probably does to his point and certainly which is what Barker has talked about with Blair a lot, which is, you know, it probably does pump the brakes a little bit on like Pearson over Swanson or Pearson being the closer talk. For example, I think yeah. we have definitively seen like where he is. I th- it's still a high leverage spot for him more often than not, but 
you know, he's, he's still one of the top four relievers on this ball club. Yeah. And I would say that the tweeter, I mean, it was high leverage, but not late inning that they put him in. They put him in, you know, in the sixth inning, which is not necessarily uh, what you would call late inning appearance, at least in my opinion. But yeah, Nate Pearson, I, I would say you shouldn't have, you know, ran to the bank with him yesterday and you shouldn't completely shut him out today. Kind of in the same way two weeks ago, you probably shouldn't have declared the Blue Jays dead. And today you shouldn't declare every problem solved. There's, you know, yeah. baseball in itself is an exercise in patience, but for Pearson, he did pitch back-to-back days against the exact same guys, like the exact same guys, essentially. Pete Alonso and Starling Marte specifically faced him both days, and and the Blue Jays had gotten the best of Alonso for ma- the majority of that series. Someone, frankly, was going to give up a home run to Pete Alonso. If he hits over 50 home runs this year, that's about one a series, and it really looks like he's going to hit over 50 home runs. So I, I think for the Blue Jays, they did kind of go for broke a little bit today. They've now used... Eric Swanson back-to-back days in three out of four, so almost certainly no chance he pitches tomorrow. Jordan Romano has pitched three out of four days. Did get yesterday off, but it feels unlikely, although he only threw six. You have to remember he threw 20-something in the bullpen. So, you know, unlikely probably that they use him tomorrow. Nate Pearson going back-to-back and getting hit feels like he's not really around tomorrow. So I, I think for the Blue Jays, you know, it could be a lot of Trevor Richards, maybe a multi inning Richards appearance tomorrow. You know, Simber, I think, could go back out there. He only threw 11 pitches. And then some of the other guys, really. And maybe, you know, it comes down to Tim Meza pitching in a later inning because there are lefties in there in a spot where maybe you would have gone to Swanson because that splitter breaks away from lefties and he's the setup guy. Now you might say, okay, well, we're just going to go to Mesa because he's good against lefties, even if it is the eighth inning. But, you know, as uh, our caller from Hamilton mentioned, Jim from Hamilton mentioned, they, they got to score some more runs for that to really be a reality. Anyway, the Houston Astros are uh, a tough offense to go up against. So we'll see. I, I think, you know, a lot of people prefer trying to win every single day. And the Blue Jays may have sacrificed some stuff tomorrow, but they don't know what the situation's going to be tomorrow. And what they do know is they won today using their highest leverage guys. Yeah, like Swanson came into the game in a spot where Canha, Lindor, and Alonso are the guy coming to the plate. So he is your highest level reliever. It's a two-run game yeah. still. You, you got, I think like, it makes sense, even though I was hoping to not see him today, essentially. But again, he only threw eight pitches for three outs. So again, maybe like you're saying, he is he's still likely unavailable. Uh, but still, you know, it was nice to see him be relatively efficient. I am thinking tomorrow, though, a Manoa start against the Astros. With, we're talk, as we're talking about the bullpen, all of Pearson, Swanson, Romano... If they are all unavailable, we have discussed before the idea that Trevor Richards should probably just until we see, like until further notice, perhaps he should probably be lined up with Alec Manoa. So it's good. They did not have to use him today. And Simber who has looked, I think he's rounding back into form after being on the IL for a chunk of time. He only threw 11 pitches today. And then Jay Jackson, we mentioned Chris Bassett before Bassett on the paternity list. So Jay Jackson up at the club, maybe that changes tomorrow. We'll see, but uh, if that is the case, then, you know, if, if maybe we see all of Richard Simber Jackson tomorrow, I, I don't want to say they're like punting on a Manoa star because you hope they're not. But no. I think uh, having at the very least having Richards being available, if you get another subpar Manoa start is is the ideal situation if you have none of Pearson Swanson Romano. Yeah, and I would probably expect to see Jimmy Garcia at some point tomorrow, too, unless the situations really didn't warrant it. He has not pitched since the 30th now, and he only threw eight pitches that day. But yeah, Richards threw 25 pitches over three effective innings in the last Alec Manoa start. So, hey, I would, would not be surprised whatsoever to see him back out there. Real quick, uh, this this is a question we've gotten a lot in the text line. Ian from Brockville and Steph from Quebec all a- asking this question. When Ryu comes back, do the Jays go to a six-man rotation, or will there be a tough decision to close out the second half? 
Well, I think if the situation with Alec Manoa is the same, they could then yeah. have a chance to try and and think about something with Buffalo if they have him a little more corrected. Maybe it's a six-man rotation. I mean, they're not really using that bottom guy in the bullpen that much. I guess right now you'd call it Jay Jackson. They they haven't used that guy a ton, whoever yeah. it is, so you may as well. You may as well. I I, I do think, yeah, with, with Hyunjin Ryu, it's going to be a lot to ask for a guy his age and Tommy John surgery is coming off of that. It's a lot to ask of him, but... There's still, still some gas left in the tank for Hyunjin Ryu, and I, I certainly hope he makes it a, a tough discussion because I got a lot of time for, for old Ryu. Uh, thank you for listening for, to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Did you know that vehicles rust faster in warmer weather? As the weather warms and we all get ready for summer, make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown. Visit crown.com for your nearest location. For Ben Shulman, Ben Wagner, Tom Young, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. Thanks for being with us. On Jays Talk today, a 6-4 Blue Jays win to sweep away the Mets tomorrow. The Blue Jays back in Toronto to take on the Astros. Blair and Barker have Jays Talk all week long. Ben and I are back next weekend for Pride Weekend at the Rogers Center. We'll talk to you then.